John 1.14 says, The Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Our prayer is that you might see God's love and faithfulness as you listen to our Sunday morning message here at First Methodist Bryan. Amen. I'm back again, y'all. Uh, thank you very much to our worship band this morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles and you want to open them up like you probably picked up here today, we are in Psalm 23. Uh, we're in the middle middle of a three-week series. Can you really say that? I guess you can. We're in the middle of our three-week series on the 23rd Psalm. That'll wrap up next week, and then we'll start a six-week series on the book of Jonah. I'm very excited about that today. You know, I spilled coffee on myself at the very beginning of the service, and then right as I was leaving the house, my shoelace broke on one of my shoes. It's just been that kind of day. You ever have those kind of days? But the Lord is still here, and I am here, and everything is going to be well, right? Right? It has to be. Uh, this psalm, this 23rd psalm, it's, it's one of the most well-known, uh, most written about. Like if you look up commentaries uh, or books written about this psalm, it's probably written about, I would say, more than any other book in the Bible. We sang two songs today that are literally called Psalm 23. It has inspired people for generations and centuries. And last week we looked at this idea of God being our shepherd and what does that mean for our lives and, and the call of God on our lives, especially if he's going to be our shepherd and the call upon Christ on our lives to follow him. How does that look to follow Jesus, even to places that we are not sure of where the road is going to lead us. And yet the call of Jesus is still to follow him and trust him and trust in his character and his goodness, even when we don't know where that is. And so today we're looking specifically at verse 4, which is probably the most famous verse in the most famous psalm in the book of the Bible. But before we read that uh, psalm, I have a confession to make to y'all here today, that uh, growing up, I was terrified of the dark. And if I'm being even more confessional, I'm still kind of afraid of the dark. I don't know if grown-ups are allowed to be afraid of the dark, but here I am, a 30-year-old man, uh, afraid of the dark. And so I remember growing up, I had a really, really bad fear of the dark. Was anyone else have a really bad fear of the dark growing up, or was am I the only little fraidy cat in this room? Uh, and I remember specifically growing up, you would have, like, when you're little, everything is just massive and big. And so when you, like, remember your childhood home, you're thinking, oh, it was this huge house. And then you'll visit it years later, and it was like this small thousand-square-foot house that you're like, this is what I thought was this huge mansion that I lived in growing up. And I remember specifically there was this, this long, it felt like this huge, massive hallway and corridor that went from... Uh, the living room to my bedroom down at the end of the hall and we always for some reason kept the lights off in that room because god forbid you have any lights on in a house and so that that hallway was really really dark and i never wanted to go to my bedroom because of how dark this hallway was and so i remember when my parents would send me to bed i would i would sprint through that hallway as fast as I possibly could. Did anyone else do that? Like you would just sprint through a long dark corridor because I didn't want to spend any time in the dark. And so I would go from 
light to light, and that time of darkness, I would try to spend as little time in it as humanly possible. Did anyone else do that growing up, or was that just me? And I think when we think about darkness, and we think about specifically seasons of darkness in our own lives, that we treat it kind of like that long, dark hallway, that we enter into that hallway and we try to sprint through it as quickly as possible, that we don't like being in those seasons of darkness in our lives. We don't like being in those seasons of uncertainty where it seems like fear and danger and all these different things are coming up against us. But the difference between me as a child and me when I go through these seasons of darkness is there are times that I can't control how quickly I run down the hallway in my seasons of darkness? What if it's not possible to quickly get through those dark seasons? What if, unlike growing up where I could see my bedroom at the other end of the hall, what if we're in these valleys of darkness? What if we're in these valleys of the shadow of death and we don't know what the other side looks like? I think that's the reality for many of us, isn't it? When we feel like we're in these dark seasons, we don't know how it's going to end or even how we're going to get through it or even sometimes how we're going to make it to the next day, the next hour, or the next minute. And it's in that kind of mindset that the 23rd Psalm is written. That's why it's read so often at funerals because it reminds us when we're in dark seasons that God is with us. So we're going to read the 23rd Psalm together but we're focusing on verse 4 today. Hear the word of the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's read that verse 4 again, because that's what we're primarily focusing on this morning. Psalmist writes, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, or as the King James puts it, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And when we look at this psalm, and we look at the psalm of David, we can see that this psalm was written not from a place of being on a mountaintop. There are plenty of psalms that are written from the mountaintop places, but this 23rd psalm is most likely written from a season of darkness. Even though I walk, it's this implication that I am currently in this season of darkness. This sense of fear and uncertainty where you don't know what's going next around you. And we all have these dark valleys in our lives that we experience at one point or another because we live in a fallen world and we're surrounded by broken people who make bad decisions and hurt us and harm us. We experience things like a sickness for ourselves or for a loved one. We experience 
death. We experience relationship issues or a loss of a relationship. We experience heartache and pain and inner woundedness that comes from what others have said to us. We experience the insecurity about our future or our job or insecurity about money or where we'll get our next meal. We all have these seasons of darkness, these valleys of the shadow of death that we walk in throughout our lives. And all these issues, all these struggles comes to us in our lives. And it's from that place of uncertainty. When you read the story of David in the scripture, it seems like David is constantly on the run from people, doesn't it? He's on the run from Saul for a long period of his life. And then he's on the run from uh, his son who rebels against him, that David himself knows what it's like to be in valleys of darkness, not just for a little stretch of time that lasts for a month, but to be in dark valleys for years, waiting on God to come through. And it's in that season of David's life that he pens the words to this psalm. Even though I walk through the valley of death, I will fear no evil. And the reason David gives for that is because you are with me. Because you are with me. There's this shift that happens in the 23rd Psalm. You may notice it or not. Uh, that the first three verses, it starts off by David declaring who God is. Lord, you are my shepherd. I lack nothing because of that. He makes me, that's all the third person. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me for paths along, along the right paths for his name's sake. It's a, that third person sort of impersonal uh, talking about God. And in verse 4, there's this shift that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil because I know that you are with me. This shift from the third impersonal declarations about God to the second person prayer directed to God. It goes from the sort of abstract theology to this deep, rich faith. And from then on, the rest of the prayer is David's prayer to God, not simply David talking about God. It's from the truths of the head to the truths of the heart, the joining of the two, the joining of David's theology about God. What he knows to be true about God is reflected in the way that he prays to God. And I think this is what happens to us in our own seasons of darkness. That there's a shift that happens in our lives when we experience trial and heartache and tribulation. That our faith either withers and dies or it becomes more real and vibrant. That we experience God in the midst of our darkness. And we hold on to God when it seems like there's nothing else to hold on to. That it's in those seasons of darkness when our faith is tried through the trials that we experience or the testing that we experience in the world and the darkness that we find ourselves in that we go deeper into the presence of God and we grow deeper into our faith and our faith doesn't become just impersonal beliefs about a far-off deity but it becomes a real lived experience of the God who walks with us in the middle of the darkest things that we can experience in this life. I've said before uh, in sermons in the past, but I, I want a real 
Christian faith. I want us to have a real Christian faith that doesn't just put on happy faces, that doesn't just put on a fake facade, but a real lived-out faith that is with us in our seasons of darkness and heartache and not just a fresh coat of paint on rotten wooden fences. I want the Lord to come and meet us in those broken places. And what we see here in David is in the middle of his deep darkness, in the middle of probably one of the lowest moments of his life, he prays to God and he roots himself in the character and nature of God, even in his darkness, because he knows that God is fundamentally with him in those dark places. So you have David here at the beginning of the psalm expressing where he knows God is going to lead him. God, I know I'm going to end up in green pastures. I know I'm going to end up beside quiet waters. I know that you're going to guide me to where I should go. Lord, I know that you are with me, walking alongside me. But even though I'm not there yet, I know that you are walking alongside me as I'm on my way to that place you have prepared for me. And he does this because he grounds himself not in his own knowledge, not in his own strength, but he grounds himself in the promises of God. That's what we see David here doing. He grounds himself in the promises of God, and we see in the fourth verse that he grounds himself in the promises of God's presence. That God, you promised us that you will be with me, that when I walk through the dark places, when I walk through the times of trial and tribulation, I trust in the promise that you will be with me. When you look at the story of God throughout the Bible, you see that this is one of the most basic promises throughout Scripture. It's one that's made over and over and over again to different people throughout the centuries. The promise that God will be with us. That God will be with the different people throughout the Bible. In fact, you see, that's the promise of God through the person of Jesus Christ, right? He is our Emmanuel, which means God with us. That before Jesus sends us out into the mission field at the end of Matthew's gospel, he reminds us that I will be with you even until the end of the age. And when Jesus is about to ascend to heaven at the end of Luke's gospel, he says, Do not be afraid that even though I am going away, I am sending someone to be with you. I am sending you the Holy Spirit who will be with you always. You see this promise in the Trinitarian nature of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, this promise that God will surround us and be with us no matter what we go through, no matter what trial or tribulation that we face. It is in those moments in our lives we need to remind ourselves like David does here. Even though I walk through the darkest valleys, you are with me. We need to remind ourselves that when the reality of life hits us in the face, it feels like. When it seems like we're just taking punch after punch, and it just seems like we can't take any more of it. We need to ask the Lord to open up our eyes and show us that He is right there with us, getting those punches right alongside us. One of my favorite songs, uh, it's a hill song, song, song which is one of my favorite preacher jokes to make. Uh, it's a song called Highlands, written by Hillsong, uh, one of my absolute favorite contemporary worship songs. And it says this in this song. The person writes, I will praise you on the mountain. I will praise you when the mountain is in my way. 
You're the summit where my feet are. I will praise you in the valley all the same. No less God within the shadows. No less faithful when the night leads me astray. It's this promise that we have held on to through the centuries as Christians, this great faith that's been handed to us by our fathers and forefathers, by our mothers and our grandmothers, that this faith that's been given to us is a fundamental promise that God will be with us, not just here and now, but forevermore, that God will be with us through everything that we experience in this life. And that's what David holds on to here. God, I know who you are. I know what your promises are. I know that you are a shepherd who calls me to follow you. I know that you have all these good things in store for me, but until I get there, I'm holding on to your presence, holding on to the fact that you will not let me go. I'm holding on to the fact that you are holding my hand as I am walking through this dark valley. You remind me that you are shepherding me, Lord, that you don't abandon me, that you are a God who has come to overcome my darkness, that darkness and death do not have the final say in my life, that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it reminds us that the promises of God for us is an eternal yes to the promises of God in our lives, that death and sin and all the darkness that we experience in our lives as Christians never has the final word in our life, that life, hope, and resurrection is the promises of God for us. And I think the word that I was getting this morning as I was prepping for this is I think the Lord just wants to restore some hope to us today. That no matter what you may be facing, no matter what darkness you feel like you're walking through, hear the word of hope that Jesus gives us today through the 23rd Psalm, that he never abandons us, he never forsakes us, that he has not left us. And that is something that we can hold on to as we go through the many trials in our lives. There was more that I was going to preach about, um, but as I was typing out my sermon, the Lord said, stop right there. And I was like, okay. So I'm going to stop and uh, I'm going to actually invite the band back up. Or no, not yet. Sorry, we're going to do a guided prayer at the end of it. I don't want y'all to stand up here for 15 minutes awkwardly. Uh, I do want to read, though, a sermon before we do a, a time of guided prayer that I felt the Lord wanted us to do this morning. Uh, I was looking through my books uh, that I have on my shelf today, and the Lord highlighted a book that I got in undergrad called Preaching in Hitler's Shadow. Um, it's sermons that were preached during the Third Reich in Germany, and there's a sermon the Lord highlighted to me. Uh, it was written uh, three days after World War II was started, so three days after Germany invaded Poland. And so there are preachers uh, that were witnessing the rise of Nazism, witnessing the rise of Hitler and all the ways that he was talking about people. And I don't know if you know this, in Nazi Germany, uh, Hitler used uh, the generic word for God, and he created sort of this like pagan German nationalistic God as a way to kind of get what he wanted. And so there's a sermon that was given by a man named Helmut Golwitzer. I'm, I don't speak German, so I hope I did that right. Um, and he writes this and preached this three days after the invasion of Poland. He says this, To pray rightly means, first of all, to call upon him whom we know as Father. 
We do not know what the dark womb of the future conceals. We worry ourselves sick trying to cut through the darkness. But still, we do not know what is coming. But there is one who knows exactly. He knows what we will experience in this coming year, what Christmas in 1939 will be like for us. He knows what will happen to our sons and our brothers, these things he already knows. And him we know. Him we do know. He is not some nameless fate or some fickle demon. He is the God of truth who has told us that we may call him Father, who beckons us to be confident that we should believe that he is our true Father and we his true children, to the end that we in all confidence and assurance may go to him with our requests just as children bring their needs to their earthly father. Our prayers are beset by surging uncertainties. They toss like a ship on the raging ocean. But of one thing we may be certain. Steadfast above our prayer stands the guiding star of this Father who calls to us and who has revealed himself to us. It is to him we call out. And for this reason alone, there is certainty in all of our prayers. And he writes this before one of the most deadly wars in German history before Germany is devastated, before the world turned against Germany, before uh, the concentration camps, before all the evil that this country would inflict, he reminds his people right before they walk into a valley of deep, deep darkness, and for many have been experiencing that darkness for years. He reminds them, the God who tells us to call him Father is the one that we can hold on to in our darkness, in our uncertainty, when it seems like everything is collapsing around us, we can hold on to the certainty of the one who Thank stands above Thank you for listening with us. We hope that you have encountered Father, the risen Son, Jesus today. If you want to hear more, please consider subscribing. We would also welcome you to join us in person. For more information, please visit us at fmcbryan.org.